Tim McGarry has become a familiar face on our TV screens over the last 20 years or more. He is perhaps best known for his role as a fictional Sinn Féin spokesman, Da, in the evergreen comedy series, Give My Headpiece. These days, he might best be described as a comedian, an actor, a broadcaster, and as his Wikipedia page points out, a fan of Cliftonville Football Club. Having said all that, I haven't invited Tim onto the Historical Belfast podcast merely for the sake of it. His work at times has strayed into the field of history. More recently, a radio series titled The Long and the Short of It with David Hume has been investigating complex matters of Irish history from different perspectives. In previous years, I've seen him do a stand-up show on the events of 1916, as well as a hilarious overview of Irish history called Tim McGarry's Irish History Lesson. And so, when I thought about Tim and how he engages with history, it intrigued me. At times, he uses his comedy to confront contentious issues from our past, and he seemingly gets away with it, where others might not. In this episode, you'll hear from someone who is extremely well-read in their history, instilled during his younger years at a Christian Brothers school and then at St Malachy's College, itself steeped in history. Tim is endlessly witty and open-minded about history and identity, but more importantly, he's an all-round good guy. Don't forget to listen to the previous eight episodes of the Historical Belfast podcast. You can subscribe for free on Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you get your content, and this will ensure that you never again miss an episode. But for now, I hope you enjoy episode nine. I'm calling it, by the way, The Famine's Not Funny, with Tim McGarry, and I started off by asking him to describe his relationship, in his own words, with history. I always go back to my teacher at school in Samaritan. He's a guy called Sean Corrigan. Uh, I did A-level history and really enjoyed it. In fact, I was going to study history at Queen's University until my mother very wisely told me that there were no book and work in history. There's no jobs in history. <laughs> so I ended up studying law, uh, which I, I didn't really like, but I always wanted to do history at, at, uh, at university because I loved it. And I had a, a really good teacher, Sean Corrigan, who uh, did me was our teacher for O-level and A-level. That's how old I am, by the way, Jason. O-levels, do you remember O-levels? You probably don't know what they are, do you? I'm a clue. Never heard of them. Um, so, and, so I'd always, I'd always had a big interest in, in Irish history in particular. Um, and coming from some Malachies, there was always a bit of a connection with with Irish history as well. There was the, the McCabe's, wasn't it? The McCabe's, one of them, the, the, one of the founders of the uh, United Irishmen. That's right. Yeah. Uh, Owned the, the land and which was on Vicinage, which was which was quite historic. And there were there was the two McCabe brothers. I think one of them was a famous anti-slaver as well, and one of them was I think the found that the founder meeting of the United Irishmen took place right. there. Uh, is that right? God, I've got things right. So, uh, but uh, so I've always had an interest. Bizarrely, the, the three people who make up the Home of the Wall gang, myself, uh, Michael McDowell, and Damon Quinn. Uh, are mad history buffs. They're even more they're more uh, well-read and better uh, prepared in their history than I am. Uh, we spend our time, writing is quite hard and a bit of a pain in the arse, so we spend our time avoiding writing by talking about history and talking about, so we'd be sitting around for hours discussing why Hitler actually invaded Russia and whether that was a good idea or a bad idea, rather than sitting down and writing jokes about uh, Uncle Andy and Big Mervyn. Uh, and, you know, Michael McDowell and, and Damon are very, very well read in their history, so they'd always be throwing me books every now and again about, you know, all sorts of history, not just, you know, our local history. For instance, remember they've given me a book a few years ago, a great book called, you ever heard of The March of Folly? Yes. 
can't remember the name of the woman who wrote it. It's a brilliant book. And I go, it, it, it's about sort of how nations do very, very stupid things to themselves and why people, why countries end up doing very stupid things. Uh, like how uh, you, uh, Britain lost the the uh, the war of Indo the American War of Independence and how the America got involved in Vietnam and how people do stupid, stupid things. There'll probably be a, a new edition soon about Brexit, but. Uh, <laughs> So you, you, you've, alluded, you've alluded to the fact that you went to St. Malagy's College, um, obviously steeped in history, as you've mentioned, with characters like Owen McNeil, Charles Gavin yeah. Duffy, Sean McEntee. Was that something that you would have been cognizant of when you were at the school? I mean, I went to Grosvenor in the East. We, to, to my mind, we're only famous for George Best, who left the school because we couldn't play because he couldn't play football there. But were you aware of the, the sort of historic environment you were in? Were you not taught by Sammy Wilson? Did he not teach there? Is that... he, he did teach there, actually, yes. Uh -huh. <laughs> what, you left him out? <laughs> that man will be an historian. <laughs> He'll go down in history, Sammy. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Mr. Mask, he can't eat up an ice cream with a mask. Uh, no, uh, some of those people, yes, did resonate quite quite a lot. Uh, I was taught, my primary school was quite interesting. I was taught by the Christian Brothers in primary school at Park Lodge up the Antrim Road. And there were a lot of in the. I, I'm I'm an old fella, by the way. Uh, uh, yes, I'm very. I'm I'm 56 now, so I was uh, in Park Lodge from about 1968 to 75, just at the start of the troubles. We were taught by Christian brothers, and the reputation they have as the kind of the military wing of the Catholic Church is not quite as deserved as it is. But there were a lot of Southern Christian brothers, and with, I remember one of my first earliest memories at school is singing Irish rebel songs. We were taught literally Irish rebel songs by the Christian brothers, you know, uh, the, the Irish soldier laddies and this, that and the other and the foggy Jew, not really knowing what the hell it was about, but, you know, the times that ran out, mainly it was southern uh, uh, Christian brothers who were teaching us these songs. So we kind of I came from a nationalist background. I'd always had an interest in that, in that side of history. And then when you went to Somalikis, that, that was kind of reinforced. Now we did, you know, it was a broad curriculum, obviously. We did European history and British history. Um, I, I did a show a few years ago called Tim McGarry's Irish History Lesson. I used to tell a, a joke, which I was very proud of, which is there, there are two types of people who, about, who uh, and Irish history. There's some people who, who love Irish history and are steeped in their Irish history. And there's a second type of people who know nothing at all about Irish history. And I call those people Protestants. Because Protestants, in my, in my era, and, and the people Protestants that I met at university had never studied any Irish history at all. They knew nothing. They knew absolutely nothing. And they were deliberately, deliberately avoided. Um, now, you could argue, on the other hand, we were the a complete opposite of that. And maybe we concentrated somewhat too much on particular aspects of Irish history. Uh, O'Connell, the Daniel O'Connell was always a big thing. The penal laws were always a big thing. Uh, Parnell, the struggle of Parnell, the independence struggle, of course, of uh, 16 to, to 22 was always a big part of the, of the curriculum. Uh, but there were periods of history that were absolutely fascinating and that I loved. 1798, of course, was another big period of history that uh, was resonated very largely with me. But we also study things like British history and European history. I remember the Chartists in particular, we did the whole thing about uh, the, the Chartist movement and stuff like that. So I had a, a fairly broad um, education and a, a very, a, a really, a go, I don't know how I got into it, but it just really, it was, it was the only subject I read off the curriculum, if you know what I mean. I read yeah. books from beyond what I had to do. You mentioned their Irish history lessons. So that's going back 10 years ago, I think now, 2010. I mean, I remember actually going to see it at the time. I think it was in the Grand Opera House, maybe. But a description of the show, which I was just checking out before um, before this podcast, 
It said, invasion, war, famine, repression and conflict. Irish history has always been a rich source of comedy. Join Tim McGarry as he revels in the real history of Ireland and answers some of the questions that other historians dare not even think about. I mean, so where did the idea for the show come from initially? And I mean, how do you even go about starting to try and write that script? Uh, well, that, that that came about because my agent said, "I've got you four days in the uh, in the Belfast Festival, and you better write something." Uh, and again, because of my love of Irish history, I thought, oh, "Well, I, I'll, I'll try and do something funny about Irish history." And I was very, really proud of that show. It was one of those shows. It was the first time I'd done a, a full one-man show by myself, which was me talking for an hour and a half with lots of jokes. So I literally went from you know the dawn of time from the start of Giants Causeway right up to the end of the Troubles and everything in between and I loved it I was really really I, I was really really pleased with it I had a great time researching it as well um, and then I, I ended up with a very very good friend he's now a very good friend of mine Professor Richard English yeah. uh, of Queen's University who was uh, who written a lot of you think one of the definitive books on Irish nationalism um, and he ended up writing to him and asking him for a bit of advice and he and uh, and another fellow who helped me write the script ended up in the crown one night uh, over very 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 many pints discussing Irish history and been mates with him ever since um, so I mean there, I, I think there's a lot of there's a lot of one of the problems in Northern Ireland is we take ourselves far too seriously and we can take our, our history far too seriously so it was good to kind of prick a few uh, you know prick a few myths uh, have a go at some secret cows and you know slaughter a few things and people as I say really really enjoy it I, 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 got, well, I got probably one of the one of the best reviews ever I got which was uh, a guy said that he learned more in 40 minutes than he did in 14 years at school speaking of reviews actually I did check out a few before right. and I don't, I don't know if you've seen these or not but I thought that I mean they made me chuckle so I thought what I'll do is I'll put a few to him and just see if I can get his initial reaction now this woman I was reading, and I think somebody in your family has definitely written this one. It says, um, let's see. This should be shown in every history classroom throughout Ireland and a lot of other countries. Tim McGarry has found a way to weave the history of Ireland into 45 minutes of pure comedy genius. There you, you are. see, that's why you have an agent, Jason. You're the agent, <laughs> he, plants, he plants those things. <laughs> I agree with that. I, 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 that, that's, that's very kind. You, have you got the name of the address of that person? I'll have invite them to come. They'll get in for you. There was only one negative one I could find. That this one might have been written by Neil Delamy or somebody like that. But it says, uh, amongst other things, it said, was expecting this to be a little funnier. <laughs> you know, you're allowed to say bad words in this. I can tell you the best review I got. It was on Twitter. There was a Twitter review because it went out in the telly uh, and it was 40 minutes old. And I got this review and it just said, watching Tim McGarry's Irish history lesson, not as shite as I thought it would be. <laughs> I think that's the last <laughs> one that I have here, Ireland actually. So it says here, um, I've, I've been a fan of Tim McGarry since having the opportunity to view this DVD. He's funny and smart. Uh, quite merrily gives both sides of the unique Ulster religious divide a good bashing. Saw him live a few months ago. I was really impressed with his confident, fast delivery, jiggling about the stage in a hyperactive state. The attack's coming thick and fast. Don't miss the chance to see him if you can. In the meantime, buy the DVD. You won't be disappointed. And wait for it. He's not as shite as you'll expect him to be. <laughs> That's a different one. <laughs> That's a, yes, I'm a very broad church of, a, of an audience. That's good to know. Yeah, I, I should, actually, I I found... the DVD still available actually on Amazon for is it five quid? You probably get signed <laughs> copies for for two fifty, but they make a good Christmas present, I think, at this Absolutely. time of year. But 
on, on a more serious note, um, Ricky Gervais, who I'm a big fan of, you know, he, he's famously joked about the Holocaust. He's done gags about Hitler in Berlin, you know, in the, in the lion's den. Um, and, and I actually recall as well, there was, there was supposed to be a sitcom about the Irish famine, maybe on Channel 4 a few years ago, which, right. which didn't happen. Um, but I mean, would any of this have been on your mind when writing something like Irish history lesson? I mean, are there any no-go areas in Irish history that you can't joke about? For example, the famine? Well, uh, no, absolutely. well, funny you should say that because I remember telling various people before I did the actual show that I was doing a show called Tim McGarry's Irish History Lesson and a very senior Sinn Féinor uh, let me know. He did basically said, uh, by the way, that sounds great. By the way, the famine's not funny. You know, what are you talking about? The famine's not funny. I mean, uh, there was that controversy in Channel 4. It was utter, utterly ridiculous, which is somebody they hadn't even, they just put out a proposal that hadn't even been written. It wasn't right. even a script. Somebody had written a proposal for a sitcom about the Irish famine. And which the answer is, well, if it's funny, fine. You know, if it's not funny, you know, you know, people will tell you. You can't say you're going to be offended by something that happened in 1845. It depends how you do it and what you say. I mean, um, nothing is, is should be beyond limit. When we were doing Give Me a Head Peace, we were doing jokes about the Troubles. Now, there was only one rule that we had, and, and we, we stuck to it rigidly, which is you can't make a joke about a specific incident where somebody has been killed or injured. So that somebody watching the show go, hang on a minute. I was in that bomb or my granny died in that or somebody was shot in that. That's the only rule. You could talk about bombs, you could talk about the IRA, you could talk about that. So if you can joke about the troubles, why the hell can you not joke about the Irish famine or 1798 rebellion or Oliver Cromwell? Of course you can. Yeah, and I mean, on that note then, in 2016, the centenary of the Battle of the Somme, the Easter Rising, you came up with another one, which was Tim McGarry goes over the top. Um, so while everybody else, including governments and authorities and stuff, are, are, are probably panicking behind the scenes about these important centenaries, here you are confronting the situation with comedy, you know. Um, but what I want to know is, what was it about the events of 1916 that, that attracted you uh, to them? And do, do you think actually that, you know, in a strange way, uh, using comedy in this way almost has like a reconciliatory uh, currency to it? Well, there's two answers. First of all, what attracted me to it was the fact that I might attract an audience in 2016 for the, the centenary. I thought that, you know, everybody's getting very serious. I think, you know, as, as, a, as a serious community, it's time for me to cash in here. Uh, it didn't quite work like that, but uh, I know I, 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 I was... I, having done, done work with uh, David Hume with The Orange Order, I think I'm aware that the, the, there are there are different perspectives on our history. And I knew not a lot less about the Battle of the Somme that I ought to have known. And I knew a lot more about 1916 that, I, you know, a lot of, for instance, people from the unionist community know. And I think, therefore, it was something I thought, well, you know what, you know, let's look at this, let's look at the, the, the funny. It was harder to, to be funny about the Battle of the Somme, I'll be honest with you, than it is about the history of Irish nationalism, and, you know, the, the event. Again, you know, you can't, you can't mock people dying. You, you can do jokes about, you know, how these came about, why this came about, the philosophy behind it. You can mock, for instance, the, the you know the tactics of the Battle of the Somme. You can't, you, I mean, there was no poking fun going, it's not hilarious, 2,000 people died in one day. But you can talk about, you know, the effect those things had, why those things were, were important to people. And those are those are proper, like everything else, are proper subjects for comedy. Somebody once said you can't make fun of COVID. You know, and I think, to be fair to Ricky Gervais, he said, well, you mean you can't make fun of anything? Surely that's the whole point. Making fun is a good thing to do, no matter what it is. Um, 
I was with the 1916 show. I I, I, I talked quite a lot about the about the the uh, the causes of the 1916 rising, and I think I got uh, 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 first of all the the, the first uh, performance of it was in the East Belfast Festival, the East Belfast uh, East Side Festival. Um, and I was really, really pleased with the reaction to it because it was deliberately aimed at a cross-community audience saying, look, I can play this up the falls, I can play it up the shankle, and I want people to come and they'll get the same show. They'll absolutely get the same show and not pander to any other body. But there will be things in this that you won't like and there'll be maybe views that you don't like, but hopefully there will be things that you will learn as well at the same time. Hmm. And, and, and did, did you ever get, I mean, during the Irish history lesson or the 1916 show, did you ever get any negative feedback or anybody taking real exception to anything? No, worse than that, I had Jimmy Bryson trying to get in for free. <laughs> <laughs> Jimmy Bryson tried to get into the history show and the lyric, and he sent me a text, and I'm oh, coming down, you know, and uh, basically hinting, can I have a free ticket? And I said, no, you're all right, Jimmy, you're very welcome, delighted to have you. I think he tweeted it was quite funny as well. I, was just, I don't know whether that's, uh, that's on the, the list of great reviews I've ever had. Well, that's praise indeed from, from Jimmy. <laughs> I, you mentioned there the long and the short of it, um, and David, David Hume, who, who I know as well, um, that's a great show. It's been going on now for, for many years. How did that come about or how did that connection with David come about initially? Well, I, as I say, I, part of the problem with, with, with Northern, I'm, I'm a big advocate of integrated education. Uh, I, I think we would demand, and I'm, I'm, I come from a, a, a respectable middle-class background, but I genuinely didn't know many Protestants until I went to university. Genuinely didn't know any. And my friends were, were all Catholic, but we all went, we're all boys in both. Catholic school and this was still in that situation today so I knew very very few Protestants until I went to university I'm not saying I've got a wide a wide share some of my best friends are Protestants but I didn't meet I didn't didn't meet anybody that I knew who was a member of the Orange Order until I met David Hume and I only met him through the great offices of Mark Thompson a man who a lot of time for as well Mark Thompson when I did a show called Tim McGarry's uh, Ulster Scots Journey uh, where we basically I looked at my Ulster Scots roots and looked at this whole thing about the connection between Ulster and Scotland which again most listeners don't seem to know about or care about or understand the depth of a connection between Ulster and Scotland Ulster and Scotland that the rest of the island of Ireland doesn't have and where the way is that and how you did that didn't, come you didn't get any trips to America like Mr Crawley with that one did you? Back all, I got a trip to Ballycarry that's the thing. I got a trip to Ballycarry where Mark Thompson introduced me to David Hume uh, and David is of course Mr Ballycarry Carry and that's what uh, you probably know. David's a David's not not the tallest person in the world, uh, and he's he's four foot nine, right? And this is absolutely true. We were filming in Ballycarry um, Cemetery. And the cameraman said, you two of you go for a walk through the cemetery and we'll talk about this grave and talk about that. Because it's got the first, I think the first Presbyterian church in Ireland is in Ballycarry okay. Cemetery, 1613. Uh, and there's a grave of a United Irish man and there's a grave of James Orr, the, the, uh, the great poet. Uh, and we're walking through the cemetery and being filmed. And then the cameraman took me to one side and said, Tim, there's a wee bit of a problem here. I said, what's the problem? He said, to see from a distance, it looks like you're taking a child away. <laughs> <laughs> from behind it so if you watch the programme David Schumann and I are actually sitting on a bench in Ballycarry Cemetery <laughs> and I I didn't know an awful lot about Ulster Scott David Schumann is really 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 easy going nice guy to talk to and I just headed off with him immediately uh, and I said look I, I come from a papist background I really, really do religion but I come from that background I said is there anything in this Ulster Scott for me and he said absolutely we headed off we've been good mates ever since 
he was the one who came up with the idea for the radio show called The Long and the Short of It because I'm six foot four and he's not, which is a brilliant idea, except that it doesn't work on radio and it's only been a radio show. But we went to the BBC and said, we go to the, we, we went to the BBC and we got this great idea. And as soon as they heard the, the title of the show, The Long and the Short of It, they said, we like it. Um, and basically the idea is, I come from a nationalist perspective, he comes from a unionist perspective. We take controversial topics and we approach them from our, our, own, uh, our own perspectives. And then we go and speak to experts and historians and see whether we're right or wrong. And then we have an argument and usually I'm right. <laughs> and is, is there any episodes of that that particularly stick in your mind? There's loads of them. Really good. Do you know what, I, what we had last year? We, we did one on Lundy, which I didn't. The Siege of Derry is quite a complicated thing. Actually, it goes on. There, there's different layers to the to the to, uh, to the, the Siege of Derry. So I did the thing about was was Lundy uh, was Lundy a scapegoat or was Lundy was. Uh, Lundy has basically didn't deserve to be labelled a traitor. Uh, and we had a great time up in Derry. We went to the Apprentice Boys place and we went to uh, St. Columns uh, Cathedral. And you can you can feel the actual, the brother of the kids, they had the actual padlocks with the Apprentice Boys locked, they slammed the gates in front. They had the from 1689 this is unbelievable and I, there's that connection with history and then the feeling actually of something physical is just wonderful I love that uh, and we've, we've had great episodes one of the, the nice episodes we did last year was we did one about the Republic of Ireland down south about how Protestants were treated after the free state came into play yeah. and we were trying to tackle as many myths as we can and there's this, this old myth that there was a genocide of Protestants and all that there's obviously there was a quite a, quite a, a big reduction in the Protestant population but we found you know something completely different and I think that's what we like doing is, is having our, our, our perspectives challenged we did one about the neutrality in the way Ireland was neutral should Ireland have been neutral in the World War Two, and I would have come from a, a nationalist perspective but even I was a bit ashamed and embarrassed going hang on they really shouldn't have everybody should have stood up against the Nazis you know but if you look into that I mean virtually every historian will say there was no chance whatsoever of the, of the free state having any uh, military power whatsoever there was absolutely the right decision for them that was universally acclaimed by everybody down south um it's a copper fastened partition. You find that you find all sorts of the nuances in the fact that Ireland was neutral, and of course we weren't neutral up here. Either the American forces in Derry, and how the fact that Northern Ireland was part of the UK that won the the, the Second World War, copper fastened the, the link from with Northern Ireland and the rest of the UK, and you know. I just find lovely stuff about, you know, we met great historians, we, we, we have great stories to tell, and we have very gentle arguments, but we do have genuine arguments. I have to say, I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit offended that when asked about your, your favourite episode, I mean, you didn't recall the one that you interviewed me for. But well, it's probably I, memorable, I, memorable for all the wrong reasons, I would have thought. Trying to cut you out, but I mean, you made some ridiculous arguments defending the UVF of 1912, if I remember. Was that, was that was it about the Covenant or was it about the Carson? Yeah, I think it was uh, was Home Rule, Rome Rule or, or something oh. like that. Words to that effect. <laughs> you, you mentioned their partition. Uh, next year, obviously, is, is a big centenary year, the centenary of partition, the centenary of the creation of the Northern Ireland state. Have you any plans uh, yourself? Uh, in your personal capacity, uh, maybe to, to, to come up with a show in order to commemorate that or to mark that occasion in any way, shape or form? Well, I, 
I'm quite surprised, and I come from a nationalist bank, I'm quite surprised at the SDLP Sinn Féin attitude, which is to stop all these, uh, to refuse to take part in any of these commemorations uh, of whatever shape and form. Now, I'm not saying that nationalists should be, you know, standing behind a, a, a Union Jack and going on a march saying, oh, what a wonderful 100 years, but surely you should take part in one of, one of the most vital <laughs> questions of the last 100 years that, that has exercised everybody for, you know, everybody who's alive and their politics has been dominated by this and the nationalists are refusing to take part in any uh, ceremonies or commemorations or even debates and discussions about it. I think that's absolutely crazy. Uh, David and I are, are uh, planning to do a sort of long and the short of it presentation. We're, we're, we're pitching to a few councils at the moment on the basis of, you know, he and I are going to come from very different perspectives. Uh, but this is a, you know, this is a monumental time in our history. This affected every single person today. It affected our politics. It still affects our politics today. And, you know, if you're a nationalist and you're going to, you know, to an event that talks about partition and the creation of Northern Ireland 100 years ago, it doesn't mean that you think that Northern Ireland is going to last another 100 years if you're a unionist. It doesn't mean, you, you know, you, then you hear Tim McGarry, you know, giving arguments about why partition was a bad thing. It doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, your, your, your unionism is any less unionist. Um, but we should at least discuss these things. I mean, there's loads of fascinating stuff about this period of time as well. We talked about the creation of the B specials, about how the unionists who were who were betrayed in Cavan Monaghan and Donegal, who all signed the covenant in 1912, and then a few years later found that in fact they weren't uh, the Ulster covenant, and then found out they, they weren't part of the new Ulster that was being created. And um, there's a whole argument about um, whether uh, the Irish Civil War with the Republican internecine strife basically saved Northern Ireland, and I think it's a very powerful argument to say that the the, the stupidity of, of uh, you know radical Republicans who refused. To Accept the treaty, ignored the North completely, and allowed Northern Ireland to copper fast in itself. And there's all sorts of stuff, and, and, and debate it, talk about it, argue about it, absolutely, you know. And we're hoping to do a, a few live shows if people, live people are allowed to go out and uh, do things. Uh, and we'll tell a few jokes as well at the same time. Uh, I'm also can I other plug something else? When you did, I, I did interview for for a very good show about Home Rule is Rome Rule, and I did I done a radio documentary about Edward Carson, and I'm starting to be a fan of Edward Carson. And actually, uh, the Home and Wall Gang, as I say, my mates are, are really into their history. We're making a program now about. Uh, Oscar Wilde and Edward Carson and the connections between Oscar Wilde and Edward Carson, the sort of parallel lives, both of them born in 1854, both of them born in Dublin, not very far from each other. Both of them went to Trinity College together. They think they may well have been uh, friendly with each other. There's some rumour that they certainly knew each other. Uh, they then both went off to London on their own careers and, of course, met in the famous Oscar Wilde libel trial of 1895, where Edward Carson destroyed... Uh, uh, Oscar Wilde in the, in the witness box and ruined his entire career. And it's, we, we're working with um, Oscar Wilde's grandson, a man by the name of Merlin Holland, who's an absolute gentleman, a man in his 70s now. And his father was Vivian, uh, Vivian Holland, because after the, the scandal of Oscar Wilde, the Wilds changed their name to Holland. And Oscar Wilde's son, Vivian, who was quite young at the time of the, the, the scandal, uh, had a son late in life, and that was Merlin Holland. And Merlin is not just his grandson, he's also an expert who's Followed the case in detail, and he's he, we've had him over to Belfast. He's been to see Carson's grave. He's been up to Stormont, and we've discussed sort of the, the the different connections and the different paths that the two men take. And it's absolutely fascinating. It's really, really, we're we're really pleased with that. Hopefully, we'll go out on the BBC uh, early next year. I have to say, I really enjoyed that chat with Tim about history and comedy, and I hope you enjoy listening to it as well. 
If you did, remember that there are 8 other episodes that you can listen to, so go back and take a look at those. And if you get a chance, please leave a review on whatever platform you're listening. And also, please share the episodes on your social media. It really helps to get the word out there. I'll be back with at least one episode before Christmas, and I do hope that you'll be able to join me for that.